I'm so thankful for Street Hope. Because they're doing ministry, meeting needs that there is no way that we as a church could be involved in. They give us an opportunity to meet, meet a need that many of us never see what that need is. We hear about it, but do you really think it's in the back door of your house? It is. It's right here. It happens here. We gladly support Street Hope, and, and we are seeking ways to partner with them more. And not just Street Hope, but our other ministry partners as well. They give us an avenue to, to reach into areas of ministry that we as a church would have difficulty reaching into. They give us an avenue to be able to serve people that we would struggle being able to serve. But at the same time, there is a, a danger that we need to be aware of when we rely on ministries. We love what they do, but there is a danger in if we just give money and say, let them do the work. There is a danger when all we do is put our financial resources in to a ministry and say, you've got it. Go take control. Our calling is not to give money. That's a part of our calling. That's a part of being a disciple. But our calling is deeper than money. Our calling is physical and spiritual. Our calling is complete devotion to Christ, serving those who need us the most, who need Jesus the most. It's our dollars, it's boots on the ground, and it's our prayer. We have to be fully plugged in to serving people. Our calling is to be like we've talked about over and over again, fully committed disciples of Christ. Our mission as a church is making disciples who are growing in their love for Jesus and people. And we've defined what a disciple is these last few weeks going through our series as a disciple is someone who is a committed follower of Christ, who is growing in their love for Christ, and who is on mission for Christ. In other words, it's simple. Love God, love people, make disciples. That is our whole mission and it takes sacrifice and that's what we've talked about these last few weeks going as we go through summer losing we've talked about what we have to lose in order to be winners to be champions for jesus what we have to lose to be winners in our faith and we talked about how we have to lose ourselves you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in your faith and be fully devoted to either of them we have to lose the excuses and stop saying, well, I don't know how to lead someone to Christ. I don't know how to make a disciple. We have to lose the excuses and start doing and stop just talking. And today, as we kind of build on what Devin has shared, we look at this and our bottom line for today is that our passiveness and our prejudice is the enemy of our purpose. We have to lose our apathy. We have to lose our bias. And we have to get on mission. As I've told you, this is not just directed at Northview Church. I believe this is a church-wide problem in, in our whole area, in our country. And as we talk about losing our passiveness and our prejudice, there's probably some alarm bells that are going off in your head and you're thinking... What do you mean passive? I'm not lazy. I'm not careless. What do you mean lose my prejudice? I'm the least judgy person you would ever 
No. But let's explore that for just a moment before we dig our heels in and say we are not that person. In Luke chapter 10, one of the most popular passages that you read, if you've gone through a Sunday school class as a child, you've been taught this passage over and over and over again. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. But as it leads into that story in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, we have a question that comes up. And it says this, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking Him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. This is what, in Matthew 22, this is what Jesus defined as the greatest command. Love God, love others. The word that is used for love is agapeo. It's a verb. It's the verb form of agape love. You've heard us talk about agape love if you've been here before. And it is to love someone unconditionally and sacrificially. It is the same word that is used in John 3.16. God so loved the world sacrificially that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. In other words, this is not a feeling of love. It's not well wishes of love. It is an action of love. It is a verb. It is not passive. We have to do something. We don't just show up to church on Sunday morning and then live our lives the way we want to the rest of the week. But sometimes we feel passive and we get apathetic. And we all find ourselves in those situations sometimes and we'll say, well, I've given in the offering, so you know, let the pastor and the elders, they can go take care of evangelism, they can go take care of disciple making, but we see it here, your faith cannot be passive. Go and love. Our passiveness and our prejudice is the enemy of our purpose. We must love. But there's another question. Who exactly do we love? And that continues in this passage, verse 29. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's a legitimate question. You tell me to go love my neighbor, well, who exactly are you talking about, Jesus? What are, my, are you trying to get me into? And here... It's what he says. A story that you have heard over and over if you have a church background. Jesus replies with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed by on the other side. Then a, des a despised Samaritan came along. Notice he said a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. 
Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I hear people talk all the time about how we live in a culture that is more divided than it ever has been in history. Now, I know I'm old, but I'm not that old, so I don't know how long this has been going on. But I do know this. I'm 45 years old, next this week actually. I like gifts. Gift cards are great, by the way. Birthday's Thursday. Just throwing that out there. I'm 45 years old, and I... I can tell you that in my lifetime, I believe this is the most divided I have ever seen our country. It it seems like every day it's just everyone fighting at each other's face and throat over just the simplest of things. But you know what? In Jesus' day, it was the exact same thing. In Jesus' day, there was racial and ethnic tension. That's what we see playing out here. They hated Samaritans. If you were a Jew, you did not associate with a Samaritan. There was racial tension, ethnic tension. There was political tension. We got a little bit of that nowadays, right? There was religious tension. What Jesus was saying here to these people in this story would have caused a furor among the people. What do you mean a Samaritan's the hero? How is it possible that a Samaritan could be the hero of this story? Well, let's think about what that would be to us. If Jesus was telling the story today, it would sound something like this. Donald Trump was passed out hurt on the side of the road and Tucker Carlson came up and he just walked on by. And Sean Hannity comes up and he just walks on by. And Joy Behar from The View, you know, she hates him. She comes up and she's like, I'm going to help him out. That's the equivalent of what's happening here. Or it would be like we're seeing right now a a pro-choice protester gets hurt during a protest and a liberal activist just walks on by. And you see a Hollywood icon who's pro-choice just come up and say, sucks for them, and just walks on by. And then a conservative Christian comes up and helps them out. Those kind of scenarios, they trigger all kinds of emotions. Because there's so much division that helping someone who doesn't agree with us seems so foreign to us. And that's just the point Jesus is making. It's not who we help, it's how we help them. Our passiveness and our prejudice is the enemy of our purpose. Scripture nowhere says, before you go love someone, you need to agree with them first. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you need to condone their behavior or what you view as a sinful lifestyle before you go and you show them compassion. So what does that mean for us? It means we love those who need Jesus. And who needs Jesus? Every single person person we come in contact with. That means when we go out 
and we want to talk about how great our Jesus is and you're living your life wrong, that means we show love to them. That means we show love to the LGBTQ community. That means we show love to the far right. That means that we show love to an illegal immigrant just as we would a refugee from a war-torn country. That means we show love to someone who is advocating for your Second Amendment rights the same as we would to someone who says no one should have guns and is fighting for gun control. That means we show love to Republicans and Democrats. We don't care what their political stripe is. We just know they need Jesus. I don't care what your political stripe is. I just know you need Jesus. And then we start to think, they did it to themselves. They're the ones that won't get help. They've got an addiction. They need to go get help. I can't do anything to help them. They're the ones that are lazy. They won't get a job. Why do I need to help them out? And that's when we see our bias, our prejudice come through. Because we're an independent people. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go help yourself. But that is not what Jesus called you to do. It doesn't matter whether they put themselves in a situation or whether they are victims of sex trafficking. We show them love. Just in the situation that Devin shared this morning, we show love to those who have been trafficked, but you know who else you show love to? The ones who trafficked them. To everyone. Even the enemies. Our passiveness and our prejudice is the enemy of our purpose because we get lazy. And we start pointing fingers and we end up with a community that doesn't see love from this church. We do not want to get to that position. We want to be a light in the Kodak community. We want to be a church that if we were to close our doors tomorrow, the community would be distraught. Like, where did Northview Church go? We don't want to be a church that would, nobody would even know we left. And I'm telling you, every church is in danger of that happening when our focus becomes this and not them. You are called to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus, who is on mission for Jesus. You can't be a disciple if you've never committed your life to Jesus. You cannot be a disciple if He is not actively changing who you are. You cannot be a disciple if you are on mission, not on mission. It takes all of that to be a disciple of Christ. Are you a disciple? Or are you fine with everyone else doing the work and you put in your time on Sunday and your dollars in the offering box. And you're good. That is not what you're called to do. 
you'd bow your heads and close your eyes as we close this morning. When you think about how your faith plays out, do you see a faith that is passive? That you're just letting everyone else do the work? And do you see a faith that is prejudiced where well, I'm not going to share the gospel with that person or I'm not going to help that person? Or are you living your faith 24 hours a day, seven days a week, seeking Jesus and serving other people? Love God. Love others. Make disciples what you're called to do. And some of us this morning need to confess of our apathy. We need to ask God to change our hearts to give us the motivation to get on mission, to get out of our seats on Sunday mornings and go and share Jesus with somebody. To go and serve those who need help. Some of us need to confess our prejudice and, and just admit, God, I have not served fill in the blank because it's their fault they're in the situation they're in or because I just don't like them. And some of us need to just become disciples because you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. If you would like to hear what it means to really follow Jesus, as Megan leads this morning, I'm going to be down here at the front. Come, I'd love to take you in the back and we can talk about what, what it looks like to really commit your life to Jesus. If you need to confess of your apathy, your passiveness or your prejudice, confess, use that time right now. Maybe you need to come and lay it on the altar. Just symbolically letting it go to God. He's calling you to mission. We cannot be lazy and just stay in our seats. Jesus, we love you so much. You are worthy of 24 hours a day, seven day a week devotion to your mission. And you've called us not to stay in our seats, but to get out and to be the light in the Kodak community. Lord, don't let us become so consumed with what we do in church on Sunday mornings that the light never gets out of this room. Let us be the light in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our friendships. Let us be the light when we sit down in a restaurant. Let us be the light to that waiter or that waitress or that server. God, let us, give us a broken heart for those in this community who need you. In Jesus' name we pray.